0: great a privilege that is that we get to be sons and daughters of almighty God isn't that incredible does anybody deserve that he gave that to us right what an incredible privilege let's pray together Father today we thank you that you've invited us into your family that you have made us belong to you as we sing that line the lies speak louder than the truth It feels to me like that's all we hear. Our lies that masquerade as truth. And we think of it in a big picture, but I think of it just personally. We hear lies about ourselves and about our future and about our worth and about our life. They speak so loudly. They feel like they've got so many facts. They discourage us and they beat us down and they weigh us down. Father, I come today to pray for your people. That would bring life to our soul. Pour out healing. Pour out your work in us. Let us hear it. Let us respond to it. Let us embrace it today. Father, you love us. You are for us and not against us. You call us out to acts of faith that react to the reality that you are with us, that your power is towards us that when we operate by trusting you, our lives come alive. We hear the word revival. Many of us have been around church a long time. We hear the word revival. It just simply means to come alive again. We are desperately calling out to you. The truths that we'll now read in your word, I pray, Father, that you would bring them to bear on our souls, that you would do your work in us. And so, Father, we give you these moments to do what you know needs to be done. Beyond anything I have planned or beyond anything we even think right now, Father, we open ourselves up to your work that you know we need. Strip away all the things that would distract us. To be on you and our hearts to be open to what you ask us to know, to believe, to trust, to do. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a seat this morning. I want to welcome you. It is a great day to be together in the house of the lord and with our brothers and sisters in christ and i think it is such an awesome privilege that we get to to sing to worship to to love him to learn together Uh, and i hope that you feel that today i know that your week may have been up and down you may be worn out you may be tired you may be discouraged you may be carrying news that feels heavy but man right now this is a moment of like freedom This is a moment of relief. This is a moment where those burdens can be given to your Lord and Savior. And I pray that you know Him, and I pray that you can trust Him today in that, and that God will bring that life to your soul. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. If you are new or newer, please make sure you check in at our guest center before you go today. We've got a gift, and we want to see how we can serve you. So let us know that you are here. We are a church that is on the move. We are not a church that sits and does nothing. We are a church that gets going. And we are in a season of going. So uh, I just want to encourage you not to miss it. I want to encourage you to be on top of it. Uh, Dave talked at the beginning about uh, this coming weekend and Trunk or Treat. Be a part of that. If you haven't signed up yet to be a part of it somehow, be a part. There are sign-ups out there. You can do the trunks. You can help us serve people. You can help us set it up. Sign up and be a part of that because that's how we come together as a family. He also talked about the, the volunteer form that you can find out there. That is not for people who are already serving to the degree that they need to be serving. It is for those who are like, slow in coming back to serving. Those who are underserving, you're doing way less than God is asking you to do. Or those who are newer and you've just not plugged in yet. Find that form. Find a place where you can be a part of a team And there's a way that that connects us to the body that you need. So come and do that. And on that note, uh, I know Fight Club just kind of got going last week, and it's it's happening again today after the second service. Listen, I'm telling you, this is one of those spots where it's like, I don't know what to do about that. We need, I'm just telling you, I've said this before and I will say it again, we need men to come together because we fight better together than we fight on our own. And if you haven't figured that out yet, it's not about what label you want to put on yourself. It's about whether or not you think that's a problem. And we as men need to get together to fight it instead of fighting it on our own. So I'm saying to you, let God lead you to that. Because I think that is a powerful thing. It is absolutely a frontline thing for us as a church, for us, especially as men, to stand up and say, I'm in the fight. I'm in the fight. With my brothers in Christ. So be a part of that. All right, all of that was in advance. I wasn't planning on saying any of that, but that's just on my heart right now. So we are also launching into something that is a special opportunity for us. We do this every year, and it's a way that we serve others, people we don't even know, people who have, recognizing people who have a lot less than we do. I know you might not think you have a lot, but there are people who have a lot less than you do. Operation Christmas Child is an opportunity for us at Christmas to do something. Kind of small, but really big. And I want to show you how big it is with a short video. And I know that this video is all, like, the the, the little girl is speaking in a different language. It's all captioned. But if you can read what she says, you're going to see why this is such a big deal for us to be a part of. So watch this video with us. It's just a minute long. Read along with what she has to say.
1: tener pero ahora that a Dios tengo. Yo aprendí de Dios a través de la cajita. para que Jesús en mi corazón. Cool? Estoy muy agradecida con todos, con Dios, con ustedes por traerme esta cajita.
0: Now, if you couldn't read all that, we'll try to post that on social media. I'll try to get Emily to post that up. But basically, a little girl who said, I need some markers, and that we don't have the money for them. And in an Operation Christmas Child box, she gets markers. That costs what? Three bucks, right? Because that was a specific answer to her prayer, she comes to believe that she needs to give her heart to Jesus. She comes to Christ. Isn't that amazing? Who wants to be a part of that? Right? Isn't that awesome? And it's such a little thing for us, but it does such big stuff. So we'll try to post that video on social media so if you didn't get to read all of it, you can see it. But I just think that expresses exactly why we love to take these opportunities. And I'm saying to you as a family with your kids, this is a way to train. Uh, just in your own heart, it's a way for you to practice that giving is something we value. It's something that we believe has miracles in it. So grab a box. Grab a couple boxes. There are instructions back there. And be a part of Operation Christmas Child. you have a few weeks to get that done, bring them back in and put them on that table. Uh, If you have questions, you can see Rob and Jody back there. They will point you in the right direction, but we think that is an awesome opportunity for us as we enter into Christmas season uh, to be a part of what God is doing around the world. All right, today we are going to talk about uh, a different way that we are thankful for the life that God gives us and how we can step into it. We had an amazing wedding uh, this past Friday for my son. And my new daughter-in-law, Dylan and Devin, it was an awesome time. We had a lot of fun. My voice has not recovered from that. Uh, and I, as, a, as a man, I don't want to admit that my body is also still suffering. So I'm just going to pretend that that's not true. I'm just, you know, because obviously we're invulnerable, right? We, we are invincible. So, um, but it was a wedding like no other wedding that we have been to. It was awesome. We loved it. But that's kind of true of every wedding, isn't it? Every wedding is unique. Can you imagine if every wedding was exactly the same? If people said the same words all the time, if people wore, wore the, had the same colors and wore the same clothes, everybody had to share the dress, and right? Yeah, the same place, the same music, the same people. Like, wouldn't that be awful? Aren't you glad that no Wedding is the same. I mean, if we had to, the gift of marriage would still be awesome, but the wedding itself would just seem tedious. It would just be blah, right? If every wedding were the same. Likewise, if every person was exactly the same, how blah would that be? If we were all the same, if we had the same personality, the same style, if we all communicated in the same way, it would be just monotone. It would be so ridiculously boring, right? I have four kids, all adults, and all completely unique in thousands of ways. And I could list all kinds of ways, but I, I have one who can tell and will tell you the story of their day, including every single detail. <laughs> I'm not going to look at anybody. <laughs> if you interrupt them, the story begins again. (laughs) I have one who has always thought, since the day they were born, that talking and breathing are pretty much the same thing. I have one who loved trying anything new and different. It was the the magnetic thing that like if it's different than what anybody else does, that's what I want to do. I want to try that. And I have one who can get stuck in their head. Uh, They can get stuck literally in the middle of an out loud conversation. The whole thing can shut down because of the internal conversation that they are having with themselves. And these are like, everybody's unique. Everybody is completely different and we love different. The fact is, that part of how we live alive is that we are different from one another. That we are unique. We've been talking about how God's people live because Jesus is alive. And then we've talked about how a lot of God's people don't live alive. So something's in the way. And we're trying to each week tackle a different reason why God's people choose not to live Alive and how we can come back to the life that our souls have been giving. So you're like, well, that doesn't seem like a big problem, Mark. We we know that everybody's different. That's probably not a big deal. Why are we talking about this today? We love variety. We're grateful. People are unique. But I'm going to tell you, I think we actually do really struggle here. More than we probably know or admit. Many of us, in theory, like the idea that we're one of a kind. In theory. But we also find reasons to reject our uniqueness when it doesn't seem to fit what we would like to be. How we are doesn't somehow satisfy us. We wish to be like someone else or we wish we could make ourselves into some picture that we're we're not. Instead of embracing the way the Creator chose to make us, we beat ourselves up and we obsess in a mirror or we obsess in our minds about how we are made. Humanly speaking, we start to chase an answer that's not an answer. We start to chase desire. Well, what do I want to be? I'll chase that and somehow that will make me okay with who I am. Or we just redefine who I am. We read it, I'm just going to define myself this way or that way. These are not the answers. And I think our world has proven, and Christians have proven, these are not the answers. We are unique, handcrafted by the God who made the beauty of the night sky and the wonder of a sunset. Have you ever just lost the ability to breathe looking at a sunset? seeing the beauty of God's creation. But you know the truth about this? God does not call those things as beautiful and breathtaking as they are. He does not call them his masterpiece. Do you know what he calls his masterpiece? You. Ephesians 2.10. We are his masterpiece. He does not sing songs over the stars of the heavens. You know who he sings songs over? You. Zephaniah 3. Verse 17, God made you unique because he knew that that would be absolutely stunning. And I cannot tell you how heartbreaking it is to watch people that God made with absolute artistry. He, I, I watch people disqualify themselves as not fitting in because they are unique because they are different. We do it all the time. I hear it all the time at church. Well, I'm not going to that group, I don't fit in. Well, I come to church, but there's nobody like me there. As though that's a bad thing. We do this all the time. No one looks like me, no one has my life situation, and I'm like, yeah! And they're like, nope, I'm not coming anymore. I'm opting out, because I am unique. From my days as a youth pastor, through my days in cow's ministry, to my days as a pastor here, it is incredible how ready we are to use our differences as something that means I don't belong. We struggle here. On the other hand, we theoretically like the idea that people are different from us until their differences get on our nerves. Until their differences are something that I don't like. Our pride or prejudice make people's differences into reasons to reject them or treat them as lesser. It happens at younger ages, that sorting out that goes on in middle school and high school. And I would say, if you're in middle school or high school, as a believer, you shouldn't be a part of that. Too often, young people are like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm here in high school. That's what happens. That's not what happens from you, or it shouldn't be. And then we mature and we grow out of it. No, we don't. We just do it more subtly. Although every now and then we can't keep a lid on it and it, and it comes to light. It is the root of racism and prejudice. It is the root of disdain for people in a different financial class than we are. People that dress differently. It is the root of judging people who are caught in addiction or some other trap. It is the reason that we feel free to reject people. People who act differently than we do. We struggle with differences. We struggle with our own differences and with differences of other people. So today I want to go back again to the biblical foundation. And I hope that it moves us all towards something. And I guarantee, I guarantee you, there are more people than you think right here in this room that struggle with how we are all unique. Maybe as we talk, this mindset can take root in us. Maybe it's something that a a light can shine in us from a biblical foundation that can help our brothers and sisters to navigate this life without falling into the trap of the enemy. Maybe it's something that takes root so deeply that we can teach our kids about it so they don't walk into the traps that we've already found bring so much death. So I'm going to start... In Psalm 139, if you have your Bible, you can go there, and we're going to look at some of the the way that the Bible talks about this topic, and hopefully it's something that we can act on in our lives. The plan of our Creator has always been that every one of us is made unique. Different personalities, different likes and dislikes, different talents, interests, abilities, different genders, different races. Really, there is no limit to the the ultimate creativity of the one who made us. As we look around this world, you can see how vastly creative he is. He created us intentionally and specifically. We find the story of the creation of man and woman in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And if you, no matter how you interpret that, and people are all over the map map about evolution or a seven-day creation, but it seems obvious to me That no matter how you take that, the point of the creation of man and woman is God intentionally and personally formed mankind, both man and woman. He did it on purpose, and he did it as an artist. But it's more than just a general formation. God created men and women. It's specific to each of us. David writes this in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. David says, I know I was formed by God Almighty. Even in my earliest moments, he made me the way that I am. And he did not make me the way that I am to frustrate me or disappoint me or cause me to live in despair. It seems obvious from the wording here that David is confronting a mindset that says, man, God really blew it. David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully, that word means to cause astonishment or awe, to stir up reverence. When I look at how God made me, it shows me how awesome he is. That's what David says. It makes me astonished that God made me unique. Is that what your uniqueness does? Is that how we talk about uniqueness to other people? Instead of getting impatient with others and irritated with others and annoyed with others, instead of talking about other people and all their weirdness behind their back, do we talk about it like, aren't you glad God made each of us unique? This is an act of That David says, This is how I'm going to look at how I'm made. I am wonderfully made. And the word wonderfully there is to be set apart, to be distinguished from others. David says, God, you made me intentionally unique, not like anyone else. Then he says, Your works are wonderful, extraordinary. And that means extraordinary means more than ordinary. We are more than just ordinary people. God handcrafted each one of us. So when I look at how I'm different from others, instead of causing complaint, I should see the hand of God in my life for good. But that's where a lot of us get stuck. Because you're like, if you're telling me, when I look in the mirror, this is supposed to be an evidence of God's goodness, then God is not good. Because I don't like this. I'm frustrated by it. I wish I weren't like this but believers we don't live by what we see we don't live by what we understand right we walk by faith and not sight so faith tells me that God has a specific purpose and a specific calling for me and that's because he wants me to live in the fullest joy that's possible and the greatest fulfillment for my life and that's why he made me like this and then we remember that what he told us is, even in the spots where we are the weakest, those are places where his intention is, when we walk by faith, for him to pour his strength into us so that we can say with Paul, when I am weak, then I am strong. Right? So God's createdness of me is just for his love to be poured out into my life. Jeremiah Chapter one has the same idea as Jeremiah recounts the words of God to him and God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, God said, I formed you. I made you intentionally in a specific way. If we were part of some un." Directed evolutionary process, we could come to believe that somehow we were an accident, a mutation, a mistake. But if God Almighty formed you, you can't believe that. You have got to come to believe that you are made as a reflection of the goodness and the creativity and the purpose of God. And that's what Jeremiah says Uh, God says, I set you apart and appointed you a prophet. I made you different so that you could do what I have for you. Is that for just for Jeremiah? Well, God, I made you Jeremiah a prophet. I made you unique. Everybody else, I just churned them out like a factory, but I made you unique. No. He's like, I made you for the stuff I need you to do. This is what we embrace by faith. And I'm telling you, there's freedom in this. There's life in this. Some of us have become so convinced that we don't measure up, that we live dead all the time. When I understand that God made me and I have worth because God made me and I am a reflection of His goodness, then I have a basis for self-worth that is different. Without that, my basis for self-worth is I'm a good person. I do good things. I've accomplished a lot. People like me. It's a me, 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 self-centered thing. And the only way for me to feel good about myself is to be proud. That's all I got. But if I understand that God made me, if I accept that by faith, then I have a basis for self worth that is not wrapped up in pride. It's because God made me valuable, it's because God made me for a purpose. The answer for me to, in, in rejecting myself is not grounded in, well, I just need to learn more. I just need education. I just need the power to force people. The answer for change here is faith that God is the creator of me. Now, I want to go over to, to uh, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because Paul kind of talks about this topic. He talks about it in the context of a church, and he uses the picture of a body. And he talks about how the body is put together, individual people as different parts of the body. And the illustration is, as as each of us is a part of the body, Paul teaches us that God made us unique. And those uniquenesses are for purpose and for connectedness. That God made us each so that we could do the part he asked us to do and so that we would necessarily be connected to others. So your uniqueness is made for both of those. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start with verses 15 to 20. It says this. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now about that passage, what I want you to notice is, Paul is directing these comments to people who would reject themselves. He's directing these comments to people. Verse 15, because I am not a hand, I do not belong. I'm telling you, this isn't, you want to talk about a pandemic? This is a pandemic. People disqualify themselves all the time because of the uniqueness of them. Instead of seeing what Paul is teaching us here, that God made us unique so that we would come together and the whole of us would be better than all of us individually isolated, we say, well, you're not like me, so I don't belong. It is why believers struggle to connect and it is therefore why believers struggle to live. Single people all the time, well, everybody at this church is married, I'm just a single person people who come that are married but their spouse doesn't come well I'm different everybody else comes with their husband or their wife people who have children well I you know I'm tied down I can't I don't have time people who don't have children well I don't we exclude ourselves from the differences of our callings all the time and it is a rejection of the created design of God for our lives and it's why we die instead of live Because I am not this, I don't belong. So often, it's because we've taken our uniqueness as a mark against us instead of a sign that we are needed and designed to do something no one else can. There are certainly things you cannot do. That is by design. But there are also things that only you can do. There are people that only you can reach. There are people that only you can serve in the way they need to be served because of the uniqueness of who you are and where I got put you. There are things you wish you could do but can't, but there are others who marvel at what you can do if you stepped into it. If you're listening to this and have been effectively rejecting yourself for your uniqueness, know that you are in the trap of our enemy. He knows how many of us are vulnerable to self-criticism, self-reflection, and therefore rejection. And he pounces on your flesh to hammer home messages of how you are a misfit and a reject. That is not the work of God. That is the work of the one who seeks to destroy you. And our culture chimes in through a thousand different pathways to say, yeah, you're right, you're weird, you're all alone, nobody likes you. If you're a teenager, there's a pretty good chance that the devil is at work on this in you right now. But he doesn't give up. If it worked when you were a teen, he keeps going right into your 20s, right into your 30s, and whatever. If that is a place of vulnerability, he will keep trying to get you to believe that you are less than because you're a foot instead of a hand. But God says, I made you for a reason, and how you're created is for a purpose. If you want to live alive, you've got to embrace that by faith and believe that you matter because God made you. You are not a mistake. For anyone who's struggling with this particular battle, the answer is responding by faith to the design of our Creator. It is a way to humbly believe you belong and have value. You don't have to feel like you're some great thing to belong. You can just know that God made you because you're needed. It is a battle in your mind and how you look at yourself, and it is a battle you can win by Faith. So decide today to remember that God made you exactly how you need to be. I'm not saying excuse your, your sinfulness and excuse the problems that God wants. To, I'm not saying don't grow, but I am saying how God made you is right. And if you will step into it instead of believing that it's a mark against you, you could live. But we don't just struggle to accept ourselves. We, we sometimes struggle to see the value in other people. Because our flesh wants to dictate what others should be. You should be more like me. You should make my life more pleasant. Faith asks us to accept that God has designed other people in different ways. Even even when their differences irritate me. Even when they ask me to act in patience and kindness. Kindness. God still made them unique for a purpose. Notice how the text that we were just reading goes on and shifts from if the hand says, I am different, so I don't belong. Now he goes to people who would reject other people. Verse 21, down to verse 26, it says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak with it, This is absolutely for the church. This is about the body of Christ. But I believe it extends in principle beyond the church because other people that we would call unpresentable or less honorable, what God is saying is, I will give them special honor and greater honor. The people that you would reject for their uniqueness are people that God would elevate. When we decide that others aren't worth our time, we place ourselves in opposition to God. I'm not talking about setting boundaries due to relational dysfunction and and destruction. I'm not talking like there aren't people that you need to back away from. I'm talking about rejecting someone for how they're made. I don't like you. I don't like your personality. I don't like how you look. I don't like your problems. So I don't want you rejecting someone for how they're made, prejudging or just judging them and finding them to be less than who we are, less necessary, less important, less valuable, less worth the risk. Like I said, in high school, we think of friend groups and cliques, exclusive and ready to put outsiders in their place. But that instinct lives on if we don't confront it and we don't squash it by embracing the truth through faith. We cannot live alive if we are despising the uniqueness of others. In fact, this whole passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that we are reading leads into the passage in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. This passage is a setup to, if I don't have love, I am nothing, and love is patient, and love is kind, and doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and always hopes, and always believes, and always perseveres, and love never fails. This about the uniqueness of us, and I can't reject myself, and I can't reject you because we're different. I should embrace it and know that that is all representing God's design for community. We need each other, especially because we're different. Today, the norm is to listen to those who are the same. It's almost like we have litmus tests. If you have never done chemistry litmus tests, it's just a little piece of paper you stick in water and you find out what, what, what's going on with, the, with that solution. And we do it so quickly with one another. We hear a, a word. People have done it with me. I know where you stand on that, Mark. I heard that word come out of your mouth. And we just sort people out and then we decide, am I going to listen to you? Am I going to go to your church? Are you uh, social justice enough or are you too social justice, right? Are you conservative enough or are you liberal enough? What are we doing? We've been taught by God that we need each other and we need different people. But today it's like, well, I'm only going to listen to the news that agrees with me. I'm only going to be around people that don't irritate me because they have different ideas. This is where we push away the life that God has given to us. Yeah, but they get me. They said, finally, someone said what I was thinking. Great, but how about someone who said what you weren't thinking? You need them too, don't you? Where did that go? If we want to live, we've got to recognize what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 12. He made us different on purpose and we need those differences so we need to choose to come together we're just coming back to basics here we should be fully alive because Jesus is alive when we push away god's goodness and his unique design of me we push away god's goodness and his unique design of others you will live less alive I think there's all kinds of room for acknowledging your weaknesses and your blind spots. Some of that is accepting how God made us. But even there, we recognize that God must have made provision for me, even for my problems, because he made me on purpose this way. And some of that provision might be sitting near you in this room, with someone who's different from you. And if I push them away because you're different from me, I lose what God has provided for me for the calling and the pathway in my life. The church should be a place that fully trusts the way God made us. We need to be. And we need to walk into it by faith. If you're struggling to accept how God made you, this is a chance to both admit it and ask for help. If you're struggling to accept other people who are different than you, this is a chance to admit it and ask for help. So the first thing we do is pray. And then if you need help, get help. Come talk to me. Find somebody. You got friends. You got small group people. You got talk about it. Pray about it together. Let God show you how to move forward in this, how to break free from the chains the enemy wants to keep you in, to suck the life Out of your soul. Let's pray. Let's give this to the Lord. Father, we pray now that you would be at work in our souls, that your spirit would search us and know us, that you would show us where where we need to respond to this. And if there's nothing I need to respond to, then I can be praying for someone else, maybe even an unknown person. I don't know who it is, but I'm praying that you would work in those who are struggling to accept themselves, struggling to embrace the differences of others. Father, this is absolutely essential for our church to be healthy and alive, to work together for your kingdom, for your light to shine here. So I pray you would accomplish this by your power in us as we look by faith to you. So we put these things in your hand. We trust you with it. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.